Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. I was a self-centered hedonist. I worried about my comfort, my pleasure. I was friendly on the outside, but isolated on the inside. And then, Jesus revealed himself to me in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. As I was sailing a sailboat, surrounded by his amazing creation. He revealed his presence, and he spoke the truth to me, and I believed that he is the truth. I gave my life over to him, and I've been a follower of Christ ever since. My name is Fred Atkins, and I'm loved by God. So, uh, let's stand for the reading of the gospel. It is John, the gospel of John 4, 1 through 26. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to Samaritan village of Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his sons Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? And Jesus replied, People soon become thirsty again after drinking this water, but the water I give them takes away their thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to haul water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming 
when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. God's word. Please be seated. Christ doesn't belong in Samaria. That's a place where Jews don't go. If you will, Jesus is walking on the wild side, a place where a normal Jew would never go. This is not like Starbucks where you have a cup of coffee with somebody and you give a testimony like I did of a hundred words or less. But this is an intentional mission on Christ's behalf. You see, and I'm going to come to this theme over and over again. And this is the challenge for each of us for a takeaway. And that is, you and I have to be obedient to God's will. Jesus, in Scripture, says over and over again, I only do what my Father tells me. And we have Scripture. We know the will of God through this book. And then Jesus, the second piece, is that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. So not only are we to go with the word of God, but we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. And this is our Lord, who is doing only the will of his dad and filled with God's Spirit. This sermon has three parts. One part will be to take a look at the book, Just Walk Across the Room, that the elders and I have been looking at. The second part is, who is the Samaritan in your life? And the third part will be God's water jar. And bring those three together. And Bill Hybels, he, when he was discussing Jesus and the Samaritan woman, gave five lessons. And the first lesson, he said, was to bridge the chasm. In other words, if there's a gap between you and some group of people, between you and another person, and there is a divide, Jesus says, build the bridge over. There are no barriers with Christ. In James' sermon, he mentioned that God, Jesus sees the potential in people. He knows there's something in this woman, and he is determined to have discourse with her. But this was a tough place to be, because I'm going to quote how the Samaritans looked at, uh, how the Jews looked at the Samaritans. Look upon them, meaning the Samaritans, as having no part in the resurrection excommunicated and cursed them by the sacred name of God, 
by the glorious writing of the tablets and by the curse of the upper and lower house of judgment with this law, that no Israelite eat of anything that is a Samaritan, for it is as if he should eat swine's flesh. That's major trash talk. I mean, that's worse than saying your mama. There was such hatred, such divide. Who are you and I divided? Who and you, who and, and you and I, what group do we keep away and we label Samaritan? Who in our life is a Samaritan? You see, with Christ, there were no barriers. He dealt with prostitutes and lepers and tax, tax collectors people of issues of blood, people that were unclean to touch, and he also had no barriers between you and me. Who lives on your wild side? Who is it that you refuse to go and bring the word of God to? So the first lesson was to bridge a chasm. The second one was to ask a question. Christ asked the Samaritan woman, I have a need can I have a drink of water? And sometimes that breaks the barrier of, of disengagement. You know, I was speaking to James, Pastor James, and he had mentioned that when we're in Rwanda and, and people feed us at times, there's such dignity in that and such encouragement that they would feed us. And I think in some ways Christ is breaking through the barrier by asking a question, I have a need, can you fulfill it? And similar to Ross's conversation with the guy in the halal food cart, I have been talking to Sultan for a period of time. And Sultan is a guy in my neighborhood who gives coffee. And he has three boys. And I'm a retired school teacher, so I say to Sultan, if you have any questions about an American education, you know, let's talk. And we asked questions of each other. And at one point, we were talking, and he said, uh, we came up to this thing about 9-11. And he had a coffee cart right at the foot of one of the towers. And when he bent, and he had 15 people online, and when he bent over to get a buttered bagel and turned around, the 15 people had disappeared. And then he told me what he saw on that day on 9-11. And he said to me, they are not Muslims. These are not Muslims. So adamant. He said, that's not the Koran. And he shared with me his belief. We are sharing slowly. But in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 16, we don't want to barge into this because the scripture says the person without the spirit, meaning an unbeliever, does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned by the spirit. But we believers have the mind of Christ. So even though I ask questions, I do it slowly. Which goes on to the third lesson of Bill Hybel's book, Be Patient. Can you imagine if I or you sat down with a Samaritan woman and we said to her, well, how's life? 
And she said, well, I had husband number one, and then I had number two, and then she gave this whole discourse of all her husbands. Christ never judged her. Judge never did, condemned her. He spoke with her in dignity. He brings encouragement in his conversations with people. You know, again, with, with Sultan at the coffee, I'm patient. I'm patient with him. We have conversations, and it's slow. I say to him when I meet him sober high, which I think is in his language, a greeting. I hope it is. He smiles. <laughs> I have a knack for butchering foreign languages, including, including English. But I asked him at one point in this patient, share with me from the Quran something that would summarize your belief. And he said, I'm going to look into that. You see, I said to him, I have the Quran at home, but it's a big book and I need help in taking a look at it. We need to add, in this patient period, we need to add value to each other. John Maxwell at the summit, his big focus was to add value. And at one time, Sultan disappeared for three months. And when he came back, he was in a major car accident, all sorts of, oh, big operations. And I went home and my wife and I prayed together and we got a, a get well card. And we put a few dollars in it because I knew that he didn't have any income over that period of time. Bring value to the other person. Fourth lesson, rabbit holes. So the Samaritan woman is now speaking with Christ and at a moment in time she realizes that she's in front of someone who is from God. And so what she starts doing is she starts talking about, well, should we worship over here or should we worship over there? In other words, she's bringing out things that try to take Christ off his focus, but Christ stayed on. We need to stay focused and not to go down rabbit holes, though we need to ask the Holy Spirit, if this is a stumbling block to the Samaritan that we are speaking to, then Lord, give me the wisdom to do the research and to come back and discuss it with that person. And the last lesson from Heibel's book is hope. And I will read this. The fifth lesson is we give hope to the hopeless. To the thirsty woman Jesus encountered at the well, he offered living water, soul-quenching and spirit-lifting water of life. To those filled with shame, grace and forgiveness can come your way. To those bound up in destructive habits, when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. To the weak, strength from God, the strength giver, can be yours for the asking. To the weary, Jesus promises rest for your soul. To the poor, richness in spirit. To the lacking, provision in due time. To the grieving, consolation and comfort. To the sick and dying, eternal life and new bodies in the life hereafter. Christ is the savior of the world and he meets our deepest needs. So let's take a quick recap of these five lessons. Bridge the chasm. Let no barriers prevent you from engaging others. Ask a question. Be engaged. Be curious. Be present. And practice patience. Keep praying and ask the Holy Spirit for the best timing. 
Beware of rabbit holes and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and discernment. And the good news of Jesus Christ brings hope, meaning, and a new life. Remember that Christ in this encounter is always listening to the directions from his dad. I only do what my dad tells me. And Jesus is exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. Part two. Let's identify today's Samaritans. My wife and I went to Europe. Uh, We went to Rwanda, then we went to Germany. And we wanted to go to the Bavarian Alps, so we rented a car. And it's got an internal GPS, but we have our external GPS. So we had two GPSs. So we're driving around looking for the Alps. (laughs) Don't ask. And we come to this intersection multi-decisional and the woman in the computer the British lady says go to the left the American in this GPS go to the right my wife says let me think I'm deciding the best decision and I'm thinking I think they're over there why don't we just go in that direction but with age I listened to the right person I listened to my wife. (laughs) And we found the Alps. (laughs) Very big. (laughs) Before we start identifying today's Samaritans, I have to reiterate this. We must be in the Word. And the word must be in us. Christ over and over says, I only do what my dad tells me. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to know this word and the word needs to be in us. And we need not to quench the Holy Spirit. Constant prayer. Be in scripture. Hebrews 4 says, For the word is full of living power. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm reading this this John 4, 1 all the way down, and I said, I wonder what's behind it. And in John chapter 3, the last piece of that, we hear John the Baptist say the following. This is John 3, 34 to 35. Those who believe him discover that God is true, for he, Jesus, is sent by God. He speaks God's word, for God's spirit is upon him without measure or limit. Christ went to Samaria equipped. You and I are slowly being transformed into the likeness of Christ. I don't get the offense of going to Samaria. I don't get the offense of sitting down with a Samaritan woman. I mean, I read the history and the schism and all that stuff. I, I mean, I understand all this, this, this conflict, but it doesn't resonate in my culture. Because I live in Astoria, Queens. And I walk down the street. And walking down the street, I'll meet a woman just the other day, who you can only see her eyes because she's dressed all in black. 
And walking down the same street in the summer, I'll, I'll see another woman who's scantily dressed. And if the wind blows too hard, she'll be more uncovered. I don't get it. It's a challenge for me to understand this. So I said, Lord, give me a bridge. And you'll have to give me some grace on this because this is my imagination working, okay? What came to mind was scary movies. You know, you sit in the, the pews like you guys are doing. You're in the movies and, oh, some scary stuff comes on and you're like this. And you're scrunching your seat and you got your popcorn. And all of a sudden, something leaps. You jump, popcorn goes, arms screaming. Scary movie. And always in a scary movie, they're in this spooky house. And they're walking on the floor and you hear, squeak, squeak, squeak. And the sun's going down and the shadows are there. And there's a group of people, and of course, one of them says, I hear a noise in the basement. Let me go down there and investigate. (laughs) And of course, that person has a flashlight that you can see the batteries are starting to dim, you know, it's not working. And then he pulls out his fingernail clipper, and he says, I'm armed with my fingernail clipper. Because no matter what they're armed with, it doesn't work what's ever down there. I identify with the person that says, I'm out of here. I'm gone. You see, the Samaritans are the ones in the basement. And what would happen if an entire culture said, don't go into the basement? What happens if the police said it was illegal? What happens if your parents said, don't you go, it's forbidden? What would happen if the school said you went there and you would be thrown out? Every cultural thing says, don't go down to the basement. Every cultural demand towards Christ was you do not go to Samaria. Who do you and I avoid that we have put down in the basement of our hearts? What group of people would you and I be uncomfortable with sitting in the front row? Who would be, you would be uncomfortable with if you were having coffee at Starbucks and one of us, someone in the church said, oh, did you see such and such talking with who? That person, they can't be a mature Christian. Don't you know that that person is a Samaritan? In the 1980s, at the beginning of the 1980s, I just became a Christian, maybe a year or two. And I'm in New York City. And something is happening to the city that's scaring us all. There are men who are coming down with a terrible disease. It's the AIDS epidemic. And they are generally in two categories. They are drug addicts. And I forgot the other one. And homosexuals. Senior moment in front of you. Yeah. 
And I said to myself, not my problem. But I was in a Bible teaching church. And I was reading scripture. But my reasoning trumped this book. And so the scripture was there, and I said, yeah, but not so much. Because I'm going to figure this thing out, and I don't need to go there. And the Holy Spirit was within me. But my fears and prejudice said, I'm not going to listen. So I didn't go. I think about going to the hospice and wiping their bodies clean and speaking to them the opportunity. I could have crossed that barrier. I could have asked questions about their lives and been engaged and curious. I could have been patient with them as they, as they shared their life. I could have brought the hope of Jesus Christ to the hospice. They were Samaritans to me. And I was a self-justifying, fearful, religious hypocrite. I have repented. And I thank God for this piece of scripture. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. I said, Lord, forgive me. Who's your present-day Samaritan? Who is in the basement of your fears and prejudices? You know, on Sunday morning throughout this country, at this time, This was the most segregated hour, and it may still be, in the United States. Look around you. That barrier in this church does not exist. Praise God. Third part, the water jar. (laughs) The water jar. In John 4, 28 to 30, the woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She left her most precious possession at the well. And when you're in a desert... That water jar is your life. You must have water. And the well is deep. But she left it there to go to the village. And if you will again, using our imagination, when Christ went to heaven, what was his prized possession that he left here on earth? It's you and me. We are, if you will, Christ's water jar. 
We are the water jar left behind that provides not only fresh water in the desert, but living water in the spiritual desert. We are God's water jar, and we are to be filled with knowing the will of God and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Another story. I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, on a Saturday morning, us guys were going to a men's retreat. So a whole bunch of us are out there. And in that time, we did not have a van. So we had cars. And I'm all ready to go. I'm excited to go. And manly stuff. And Oh, it's going to be good. So all the guys are there. I'm ready to go. And then Keith, our senior pastor, says, Where's Mr. B? And I thought to myself, without speaking it, Mr. B? Who wants him? What do you mean, Mr. B? Internal dialogue. Well, no, Mr. B put a deposit down. I'm going to go get him. Mr. B? No! And Keith started to walk towards 3rd Avenue. See, Mr. B, every so often, would come to this church. And sometimes he would sit here for the end of the sermon, but he would always go down and get something to eat. And his personal attire needed some improvement because he lived... And, and begged over here by the subway that is in front of Dylan's candy store. You see, Mr. B, to me, using this language, is a Samaritan. So Keith is walking up with Mr. B, and I'm having this kind of problem, this challenge. And then we find out that we don't have enough seats. Keith, not skipping a beat, I'm going to go get another car. I'll rent another car. And he did. When I was sharing this with Pastor James, James gave me another piece of this. That over a period of time, Mr. B would come with a crinkled $1 bill and give it to him and say, here's my deposit. Here's my deposit. I want to go in this men's retreat. I watched our senior pastor know the word of God and live it out. In James 2, 1 through 4, the word of God is clear about if somebody walks through that door and they have an Armani suit on or somebody's famous, don't be so quick to give them a seat in the front. And if they look like Mr. B, don't you dare say, sit in the back. And what I saw our senior pastor do out of gentleness and kindness and goodness and a spirit of generosity embraced my Samaritan. I repented again. Who is your Samaritan? You see, 
Christ lived this out. He lived out. The word of God was in him. The Holy Spirit was in him. And he went to Samaria and got the Samaritan. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, for this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers, that is, our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. I'll read that again. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, for this precious treasure, the word of God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, this life and power that shines within us is held in the water jar that God has left on this planet, you and me. That is in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and not our own. We are God's water jars. In summary, Bible says build Bridges over chasms. Ask questions. Be engaged. Be present. Be curious. Be patient. Be discerning. And ultimately bring the hope that we find in Christ. Who or what group? Possibly in your family. Possibly a relative, a neighbor, a friend, business colleague. Or maybe there's a group of people that you and I have labeled, they are unredeemable. You walk across the street. You do not go down that basement. And Christ says to us, there is no basement. There are no barriers. What fears, injuries, unforgiveness, judgment, superiority keeps us from going to the wild side where Christ went first? How obedient are you and I to Scripture, the Word of God, And again, Hebrews says, for the word is full of living power. Knowing and being confident to God's word is part of the preparation needed before traveling to our Samaria. Also, Christ is full of the Holy Spirit. And again, I quote John 3, 33 to 34. Those who believe in him, Jesus, discover that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's word. For God's spirit is upon him without measure or limit. How are you and I quenching the Holy Spirit today? We are not legalists. We are the body of Christ. You and I are not to quench the spirit in us. We are to be filled to overflowing with the fruit of God's spirit. We are to demonstrate love, for we know we are loved. We are to demonstrate joy, for we have the treasure of heaven, regardless of the circumstances we live in. We have peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. We have patience, knowing that the sovereignty of God is at work. We have kindness that reveals God's mercy and grace in our own lives. We have goodness that flows out of the character of God. And we have faithfulness that pleases God and reveals his presence. And we have gentleness because Christ was gentle with the children. He is gentle with us. And we have self-control, knowing the one who is ultimately in control.
We are being equipped, just as Christ, to travel and engage our Samaritans. Christ demonstrated the Trinity by giving obedience only to his dad and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are becoming more like Christ as we obey his word, invite his Holy Spirit to fill us, to take the message of salvation to, the base, to our basement, to our Samaritans, to our wild side. Be in the word. Yield to his spirit. Christ, when he sent the disciples out, sent them at two by two, and maybe you would need someone to come alongside of you to go to your Samaria, to meet your Samaritan. Dare we walk on the wild side. Dare we be Christ-like. Dare we embrace the Samaritans in our life and realize that they need Jesus just like we need Jesus. And in some ways, we may be the Samaritan ourselves. And God came to us and rescued us. Let us pray. Jesus, I... uh, I spoke what you asked me to do. I know that the conviction can be strong. For when we look at our lives and we see groups of people that we have, judge them. And there are people in our own life, starting maybe with members of our family and working out all the way to enemies that we have now labeled Samaritans. Lord, may we be a people who not only read your word, but have your word in our heart. May we not only be people who read about the Holy Spirit, but demonstrate the fruit. Thank you, Lord, again for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.